A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bundjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionising the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the studio, I'm joined by my gorgeous darling, love her, love her, love her, Lissy Turner. How are you, my darling? I'm fabulous and I'm all the more fabulous for seeing your face today. It always, like, I feel my shoulders relax when I know that we're going to be having a conversation, whether it's formal like this or whether it's casual. I'm like, ah, it's called the Danny effect in my house. Oh, I love, I feel the same. I actually get a bit butterflies in the tummy because I know I'm in the presence of greatness. (laughs) As someone who's so fucking cool, I'm just like, ah, God, this chick. She's so fucking cool. I mean, the first time I met you, I don't know if we've talked about this before on the podcast. I think we have, but that first time I ever met you and you were deeply in, no, you just, maybe you just finished with Triple J, but Ash was meeting up with you at, uh, down somewhere. Where was that? Central Coast. Foster Tun Curry. Oh God, I was so nervous and I felt so frumpy and fat and ugly because I just, (laughs) like I just had a baby eight weeks before or 12 weeks before and I'm meeting this super cool chick who was a... I was such a massive fan of yours back then when you were Mel in the morning, and I still am a fan of yours, by the way. 
for different reasons. But I was just so nervous. It just like I remember feeling those butterflies in the tummy and just that whole feeling of, oh, God, I'm not cool enough to be at such greatness. It's so hilarious, obviously, for our years of friendship and to hear that for the first time like that. But also, you know, just this week I wrote an email to Yale Stone, who is going to be on my podcast live at Splendour. Oh, my God. I'm and sorry about that. Yeah. So, you know, she's amazing. She played Lorna Morello in Orange is the New Black, which is where she really skyrocketed to fame. The whole she family. She was that really, sorry, she was that really stalk. She was the stalker, wasn't she? she was yeah. Like, yeah, that kind of nine, 1950s kind of just gentle housewife rockabilly vibe and she talked all through the series about the love of her life which of course yeah. turns out to be stalky spoiler alert if you haven't seen orange it's the new black so a really extraordinary character and she really skyrocketed to fame in that and she's also got this incredible organization called high neighbor which is an environmental initiative that reskills people into low carbon jobs so it's getting a workforce ready for low carbon jobs so for me, just ticking all of these boxes of the epitome of cool. So leading into this interview, I've written her an email that says, look, I've done some cool things and I've got some cool friends, but don't expect anything cool from me because I am a gigantic bag. <laughs> and that's how I feel in my own skin, that I'm just so daggy, just being surrounded by so many cool people, which also includes you and Ash and your two beautiful daughters. Oh my God, you're so funny. I would be nervous as hell interviewing her, so I can't wait to hear that interview. That was She was so cool on that show. I didn't realise she was Australian, so that's interesting. But I think there was a lot of that moment for people because she did that incredible Brooklyn accent and I've seen in threads yeah. on social media people shocked to find out that she's Australian yeah. and people from Brooklyn saying that she does a Brooklyn accent better than they do. And, yeah, she's a, a local woman and, yeah, just an extraordinary actor and a really committed environmentalist. Amazing. I will be nervous. I'll be shitting myself. You'll be amazing, though. She'll realise how actually cool you are. Even if you try and tell her, try and convince her that you're daggy because you're not. Sunny, as you know, Lucy, you know Sunny very well for the listeners. Sunny is my oldest daughter. She came in, she walked you out the other day because she wanted to get one of your stories about partying with Jack Black because she's really doing this deep dive into Jack Black at the moment. She came in just looking wistfully going, Mum, she is the coolest, coolest person that I know I love her so much. I just can't believe how cool she is. And I'm like, is that because you just think she's cool or because she partied with Jack Black? And she's like, well, both. Oh, I think so, it's a game. It's just cool by association. Like at the heart of things, I am like a super dag. And I often think about Miff Warhurst. You know, Miff did the show after me when I was doing, when I was Mel in the morning and Miff did lunch after me. So we'd always cross to each other. She'd talk to me on my show, just like Ash used to come and talk to me on my show about what he had coming up on Roots and All. And Miff would come onto my show in the mornings to tell me what she had coming up on, on lunch. And I'm sure all of Australia, well, we know all of Australia and probably most of the world thinks that Miff is just the coolest of the cool. But in knowing Miff, I mean, she's so humble and I'm sure she would still, I mean, I can't verify this because I haven't spoken to her for some time but she's so humble and I'm sure she thinks that she's still such a big dag but she's such an incredible person so it's again like the internal experience of everybody is so often so different to the perception that others have and 
imagine if we could all just start realizing that we were just cool and we, you know, like not in an arrogant way, but we were like, I'm, I'm good. I'm doing good things. I've done great things. I'm amazing. And not be a wanker about it, but yeah, I don't know. I just think we'd all be a lot more liberated and be doing even more great things. Oh, absolutely. Cause that's half the reason I would get myself into a drunken frigging mess was that I'd feel so nervous at the start of a social event and like say with meeting you the first time, like that kind of nerves and oh, I'm not good enough and I'm not cool enough and I'm not this and I'm not, 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 not. And I'd drink that away in up just absolutely sideways because I'd just drink on this nervousness, which now, you know, I can acknowledge and, and be quite open about and even say sometimes to people, fuck, you're making me feel really nervous. <laughs> just own it now. I just own it. I don't know if that's getting older or sober. I'm not sure what it is. But if people don't know what we're talking about here, they might be thinking, what the hell are they talking about? Mel, this, watch it. Obviously, Lissy was the host on Triple J Breakfast and otherwise known as Mel in the Morning on Triple J, which we've talked about before on the podcast. But for those who are listening now, you may not know what we're talking about. That is what we're referring to. And Lissy obviously changed her, her life and became a sober person, an amazing yoga therapist, changed her name, changed everything. The reason I wanted to get you on today too was for multiple reasons. Also, I just want any excuse to get you on the show and talk to you. But on Triple J recently, they've just had the countdown of the hottest 100 of Like A Version. And a lot of people don't know that you were actually the creator of Like A Version on Triple J. And if, for those people who don't know what Like A Version is, that's where bands and cool people do versions of other people's songs. I'm trying to remember what Ash, I think Ash has done too. He did, Ash did the, he did the gorillas with um, Scotty and living in Scotty and somebody else was in there with him. They did the gorillas feel good ink. I think they That's did. Right. Yes. Yep. And he did another one. Too. I can't remember the other one, but that was really cool. That one. That was awesome. Yeah. And I think he did one right in the very early days, which mm. might've been almost around the time of us meeting each other. So it's had a really long life. It's coming up for 20 years and which is why they decided to do the a hottest 100 of all like a version. So all of these cover songs, it was a, such a simple equation. You had these proven brilliant artists, the Triple J Reservoir of musicians who were doing some of the most creative musicians in the world who were already showing that they had these really amazing skills. Then you add in a song that's already proven itself to be an excellent song of varying levels of success. Mostly people were doing songs that other people knew really quite well. And of course, you had a very easy, excellent end result of these covers, brilliant songs being done by brilliant musicians, that it sustained a life of nearly 20 years is quite amazing. So it's been really interesting this last couple of months, because when I went sober, there was a lot of sort of reversing back for me away from the music industry, because the music industry also had wrapped up in it a lot of my behaviours, which we've talked about before. And so it's been really interesting coming back to this 20 years of Like A Version and this Hottest 100 because I've been doing so much media about the Like A Version in the last month. And it's been quite stirring in lots of ways. It's stirred lots of stuff about different paths that your life could have taken and the path that you did choose to take. A lot of reflections on definitions of success. What are my definitions of success? And what are the rest of the world's definitions of success? Like, I think we all have something different, but there is sort of these social benchmarks, these societal benchmarks around money and fame. And 
also self-purpose. Like, what am I meant to be doing? Because as soon as I do anything on the radio, I get a barrage of messages from people saying, I love hearing you on the radio. You're so good on the radio. And I do love being there. But what it did for me is it almost made me feel whole, like Mel Banton and Lissy Turner and the pre-sober life and the sober life weaving more deeply back together for the first time in 12 years of sobriety. Mm, That's incredible. And it's so amazing that you can kind of come full circle and bring those two. How do we bring those two parts of ourselves together without kind of leaning into getting back into old patterns or behaviours? And how do we kind of find that balance? Because there are parts of our not sober life that were good and fun or they had their good points. There was good parts, but otherwise we probably wouldn't have done it. And it's good to acknowledge that too. We don't want to demonize everything. I had this thing recently, Ash and I, where we were talking to our neighbor who's a builder and he's really awesome and we really like him and they have people around a lot. We've never sort of gone around and hung out with them on their deck. I think it's because we don't drink. And I had this sort of yearning for the old life a little bit, but don't worry everyone, I'm not going to go and start drinking by any means. But it was this kind of, I was missing something and I certainly wasn't missing being drunk and hungover and shameful and regretful and all that stuff. But there was this aspect of socializing and that kind of excitement of when you're first getting to know people and you're just kind of letting loose and getting loose around people and just having a good time. And I think in my sobriety this last five and a half years, in some ways I've probably gone a little insular because I've wanted to care for myself and I'm being really mindful of my choices and wanting to be super healthy and all the rest of it. And I've probably lent so far in the other direction, like almost becoming hermit-like sometimes. Like I still do things, but I'm, I'm pretty happy and content just to sit at home on the weekend or jump to bed early with a cup of tea. But yeah, there is that part that's perhaps starting to miss the old life a little bit, but not the drinking. So we're making that very clear. But so how do we balance, how do we bring back elements of our old life that we like that aren't destructive? and kind of mesh that in with the new us. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think anybody who's listening, well, so many people who are listening would be really resonating with what you're saying because when you become sober and then you've had a bit of a distance from the drinking, so you're a a little way along into your sobriety, you can feel almost this fracturing. There's a fracture there between the life that was before and the life that you're in right now. And that can feel really quite dramatic and not empty, but definitely this sensation that there's some things missing. I like to talk about the arc of sobriety. So it's an ongoing journey for life until the point where obviously the ultimate goal is that you're not even talking about sobriety anymore because it's not about drinking or not drinking. Your life's moved on to focus completely on other things. So that whole aspect of alcohol, whether you're consuming it or not consuming it, it simply doesn't exist. So that's getting down the track a bit on your arc of sobriety until that arc completely disappears. But that initial component of the sobriety is so much about suffering and self-deprecation because we've generally, for most people, we've only given it away when we've suffered enough. And it might be that final last morning where you wake up having done something so terrible the night before that it's the final clincher. It might just be as bad as anything that you've done before, but just the last time you ever want to feel 
like that. But whatever it is, you've suffered enough to finally, finally reach that point of going, I'm done. So there's a quite an extensive period in the beginning of sobriety where it's so much about making peace to some degree with that ickiness of reflection of your drinking lifetime and also simultaneously really embracing this new life of sobriety because you have to embrace it or as a friend of mine I was just talking to, she put it, accept, like fully accept that this is what you're doing right now. So it's not about being tense or forced, but instead surrendering to the sobriety. So it feels open rather than closed. And so you're very much in that focus. It's a new life. You're dealing with the memories of the past and all the things that you've done that you now regret as a sober person. One of the things that keeps us drinking is the shit things that we do and we don't want to face them. So we just drink again and that drinking culture allows us to normalize those terrible behaviors. Sobriety doesn't give us that grace. Initially, you have to work for that. So in the really kind of heavy duty in the trenches stage for a time on that arc of sobriety, but then as that starts to lessen and sobriety just starts to become part of the weave of your fabric, it's not even something that you're adapting or adopting anymore. It just starts to become the weave of the fabric of who you are. There's more space then that becomes available to remember some of the good things from before and miss some of those things. The insular nature of those early phases of sobriety are so understandable because when you're feeling like shit about yourself and plus you're also figuring out who the hell am I without alcohol, the last thing that most of us feel like doing is going out into the world and being completely awkward on all of these levels, particularly if the language is, oh my God, I'm such a shit person. I've done this and this and this and this. And the mind is just going through the back catalogue of terrible drinking choices. So that insular phase is beautiful and important and it's not for all people, but I'd say the vast majority of people who are listening and have experienced a decent sober arc can relate to that initial insular time. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you come to this place like where you are, Danny, five and a half years in, could happen at different times for people. And then you start to remember like all the lovely bits that came with that. So you've done the work to deal with all the shitty bits. And then once you've sloughed all of that yucky debris away, oh, hang on a minute, underneath that, there's this lovely social lightness oh, there's gatherings at my house. And I mean, you and Ash were the epicenter of our socialization in our whole suburb of several suburbs. It's like, where are we going on the weekend? We're going to Danny and Ash's house. There was beautiful food and there was really interesting people and there was often a fire out the back. And what's not to miss about all of that mm -hmm. except the drinking part? So then it becomes, what do I miss? What did it bring me? What did I love about those times? And then those things, once you've written your little list, they then become your ultimate sober aspirations of how you have all of those things that you want, that you loved, that alcohol gave you, that are really positive and beautiful and connecting, community-minded, all of that stuff, but without the booze. How can you stay awake until 2 a.m. in the morning if you want to without booze? What an aspiration. You have to be so healthy in order to stay with that kind of energy level without alcohol. So what an amazing goal. 
So make the things that you were missing, the things that alcohol brought you, turn them into your goals. I love that. That is so fucking awesome. And it's really nice to kind of think about it and play with the idea too, like imagining big gatherings at the house. Like I had one actually before we left. I had the women in my neighbourhood around for a lunch and it was really nice because I was sort of missing a bit of that socialising. We did that. It was beautiful. I didn't at all feel like a drink. There was no problems. It was beautiful. I felt so connected. I did it during the day though, so it wasn't a nighttime thing. I don't know. I just changed it up a little bit. One question is, and what I'm thinking is, if people start to miss too much the old life, do you think that could put people into shaky ground or is it more just just acknowledging? Like, so I know with me, when I was like, oh, I miss the old life a bit and there was a bit of a pang there, I voiced it with Ash, I actually got on the phone to Lyndall too and just said, oh, I just had this funny thing come up for me. We just sort of talked about it a bit and it turned out it was fine. And she said, maybe you just need to socialise a bit now. Maybe it's time to start doing a few more things that you want to do, which was great. It was really cool. I, I loved that. I love also having those connections with people that you can kind of just workshop it out a little bit. Back to my question, how do you kind of balance it, do you think, without kind of romanticising it too much, but sort of setting this goal, the ultimate sober aspirations? Because they're completely separate things. We might have interwoven them before because we lubricated every situation with booze, Mm. but they're standalone things. So your list becomes very clearly standalone. What are the things that you love? So for you, Danny, that socialization, that gathering, but what are some components within that that you really love? Why did you love to gather? You know, I love to cook for people. I love, yeah, the food and the conversation and music, putting music on and yeah. So, so those things, even those elements, it's like, all right, I know I loved that my friends coming around and me having my playlist on. So that energy that would go over to like, all right, who's getting the booze? What are we buying? Who's going to the bottle shop? Blah, 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 blah. And who's making the punch? Who's making the cocktails? Whatever it is, I can't wait to make this awesome. I'm going to make the best playlist, Spotify playlist for this gathering. That's one extra refinement. Some energy goes over there. People coming together, being really beautifully selective about the people that you want to connect to. You and I both in our podcast space, having a podcast is so amazing because you really get to choose who do I want to talk to? And it's all based around somebody crosses your path and it's like, oh, all right, they've kind of hooked me. I want to talk to them, but have that same approach when we're socializing. It's like, what are the people that really, really interest me? Or as before, probably used to be whoever will drink with me, whoever's going to be the the life of, of the party and can also make my drinking seem normal because they drink as much as I do. And we're not making the same social decisions in terms of who we're necessarily selecting our lunch party or dinner party people with. So who do I really actually want to sit in deep conversation with? And then giving that conversation your real time. There's a beautiful saying that I come to this most days, particularly if I'm doing a lot of interviews or I'm in the clinic, which is that every person in front of you is your meditation. So make the person in front of you your meditation. So when they're in front of you, they are the entire universe. Like you for me right now, Danny, you are my entire universe. Nothing else exists except you in this moment. You're my meditation. But then when we finish our conversation, we take none of each other with us so that when we're with the next person, we can be with them then. So I give that as an example because it allows this extra layer of consciousness and kind of like fun hobby 
to bring to these moments. So yes, you're taking these parts of what used to be associated with your drinking, but now you're taking those and you're overlaying them with this elevated level of quality. How can I do that to my very best? How can I make that my very best? So it's all going through the lens of refinement and quality, not just a big mash of alcoholic chaos or alcohol chaos. That's so awesome. I love that. And I love that whole concept of giving energy to the parts that you did really enjoy. So yeah, like all those things like the music and the food and perhaps putting some energy into some beautiful alcohol-free drinks that you're going to have. And the people, oh my God, the people, because that's right, we do get to choose now. And uh, I, I love that. What a great thing to focus on and what a great goal to have and a place to put your energy, I guess. Especially when we do tend, if we get get a bit kind of nervy about these kind of things too, but all those things that we really love and enjoy and, and they're still there, like they're still there and enhance them even more because it gets an even more pleasurable situation where before alcohol probably diluted all that. I remember cooking like beautiful big meals and half of it like we didn't even taste because we were just like wasted or we didn't even eat it sometimes. So you kind of lose that enjoyment of those things and of course forgetting half the night by the end of it so you, you miss out on that connection and so much of it just gets lost in the haze of booze. It, that's right at all like it suffers in its quality even though the quality mm -hmm. might have been there at the beginning of the night but all of those aspects that are the things that you love actually degrade in quality when alcohol is poured into that situation. And it's so weird, isn't it? Because we associate so many of those situations with drinking. But if we break it up into all of its parts, into the music, into the connection, into the conversation, into the food, every single one of those all on their own can be something so special. But then you can also look at the aspirational quality. So what are the qualities of those things or those times that you really loved? When I reflect back on, like some of my goals were how I could have sustainable energy without alcohol. So if I wanted to have a late night out, I would have such good health that I would have sustained energy. It's funny though, because I had that goal, but then I actually stopped even caring about being out late at night. But then sometimes some opportunity just comes up where that will happen. And I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried, oh, I'll feel tired the next day. It's like, got all the elements of good health in place. I've got good energy. I know how to relax my shoulders, which consumes so much energy when we're tense and we are nervous. And that can carry me through to have a great late night if I want one. The other one other than that sustainable energy in terms of aspirations was playfulness because alcohol really, like when we're talking about the nerves and social awkwardness, it unlocks a playfulness that I think that we all dream of having yeah. just as a natural state and some people do some of those lucky fuckers that are just born with that incredible big open-hearted playfulness and I knew I wanted to keep that or not keep it but I wanted to have it in my natural disposition which I didn't have when I was kind of at the in those adult decades in my 20s and into my 30s of drinking Something had gotten lost along the way where in my natural state of being, I wasn't playful. And when you added alcohol, it added playfulness. And so when I gave up drinking, I was like, you know what? I want to get to the seed of that. What is that? Why and where did I stop being a playful kid and a playful teenager and become a little bit tense and serious along the way? 
So then when we are gathering, we're not just doing these amazing things sober, having these amazing food and having amazing conversations, but I want to aspire to be playful. So when you set an aspiration like that, it's looking at all the things that are getting in the way of that. So the booze was is gone. So now what are the obstacles within me that are getting in the way of me being playful? You mentioned the nerves a couple of times there. So your aspiration is having those social or potential aspiration is having these social gatherings and these kind of community connection scenarios without any of those nerves. So what's at the seed of those nerves? And if you're aspiring to that goal, it means you're going to be addressing those nerves, which is there's something about you that's judging you. Other people aren't judging you. You're nervous because you're judging you or you think that other people are going to be judging you. So what do you need to do to dissolve that? And then when all of these things are happening, you don't have time to be regressing. It's so true. Look, I know one thing that I do just when I'm feeling nervous, just in answering question there too, is just to acknowledge it. So for me, that's just helped me no end just to go, yep, I feel nervous. That's okay. I feel nervous. And I just, then I'm in a place of acceptance. You mentioned acceptance before too. I think acceptance is so important when we do have those blockages that come up to go, okay, that's there. And by all means, it's great to go and dig deeper in and find what that's all about. But in the moment when it's happening, it's like, oh, yep, feeling nervous right now or feeling a little bit less than, that's okay. It's so good. It's like a get out of jail free card. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really helped me. And it also just helped lighten it too. Where it's, it doesn't have to be such a big thing. It's just like, oh, okay, that's there. I think as well, we can overthink other people being able to recognize what's inside of us too, is that sometimes when we're nervous, we think we're going to behave like a weirdo. But of course, we don't for the most part. We yeah. don't. No one ever knows. Mm-hmm. So, but giving yourself permission to be able to say, I'm nervous. Mm. Or if you don't want to say that, also acknowledging the fact that I can keep that to myself and you know what? Most people or or no one is even going to notice that I'm that. So it's really you deciding what's going to work for you in that moment. And it was so fascinating, the acceptance thing, because, you know, in all these years of doing work with neural conditioning, I talk a lot about acceptance, but it's a lot about accepting the decisions that you've made in the past. And it was just in this conversation I had just before actually coming into chat with you, with my friend Jenny Ballantish about her eight years of sobriety. And she used that as an example of learning acceptance. So rather than approach of taking this sort of disciplined vow of sobriety, the reality of a sobriety was so absolute that it actually just became acceptance of the reality that she was sober, not I'm going to be sober, I'm going to be sober. It's like, shit, I'm sober. All right, now the process is to accept that this is the reality. And I was like, well, that is, I had never, ever looked at having that approach to sobriety itself. Acceptance is so important, isn't it? Like it's, as soon as we have a sense of acceptance, it's just like, ah, it's just a letting go. It's like, okay. Yeah, it's it's like you say, it's shoulders down. It's like, righto. Okay, what you got? It's beautiful. Acceptance is such a beautiful trait to have and a great quality to kind of meditate on and, and to bring into your life and to bring into the whole journey. And I've been, I've been playing with this acceptance of 
vows, I rarely use the idea of intentions. I think intentions is very fluffy, very wishy-washy. Oh, I intend to do something, but I may or may not do something. If it's important, I'm a real believer in the vow, which is I am. I am doing this thing. But sometimes that can make people rigid if they don't have a well-practiced approach to setting vows with ease. So they'd be like, I am, I am, I am. But it is in fact, I am. It's just, this is my reality. But I've been playing with that with the breathing. So getting my students to, when they're setting a vow, like at the moment, I'm just, I'm doing a sugar-free month to just explore sugar's effect on my body after years of using that to replace booze. And when I started the month on my inhale, I'm setting the vow on my inhale, I'm sugar-free for this whole month. And then as I exhale, I'm accepting the vow, like I'm surrendering over to it. So as everything's relaxing on the exhale, I'm accepting the vow. So I'm breathing it in, I'm setting it. This is what it is. But then as I exhale, I'm accepting it. And any time there's been a moment of like that little craving, I've just come back to that. And as soon as I'm taking that exhale and just accepting the reality that this is what's happening, I've just been so relaxed about it all. We do that right now. So, I mean, you just did it, but let's do it again for the listeners. So if anyone listening, don't close your eyes if you're driving though, please. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So it's important to just formulate like a well-rounded vow. So for those people who are listening, let's say you're just at the beginning of your sober journey. So let's make that, what should we make the vow itself, Danny? What's something that you like to use when you're encouraging students at the beginning of their journey? I'm choosing sobriety. All right. Okay. So the vow is I am choosing sobriety. So in a moment, we're going to take a big inhale all together. So when you take your big inhale in a moment, I want you to mentally say that inside your own mind. And then as you exhale, you're doing nothing except relaxing the chest and the shoulders and you're absorbing, completely accepting that as the reality. Mm. So when you're ready, just breathe out wherever you are. And inhaling, I am choosing sobriety. As you exhale, soften chest and shoulders, allow that vow to settle over your whole body. Mm. I just want to stay there with my eyes closed now. So it just changes, it feels like it just changes the attitude, doesn't it? It changes any tension around the thing. And it's relaxing into it rather than forcefully pushing it. Oh, I love that so much. And you could also do that. I was also just imagining like, say, if you're having a moment of a bit of chaos or you're feeling chaos, you could perhaps vow, I'm choosing calm. And that would be nice too. Like I'm choosing calm, breathing that in and then just accepting that and letting that wash over. You could do it with so many different things. Absolutely. And there's something in that because the inhale makes you big and alive. And it's like, it's stepping you into that, right, I'm ready. But the exhale is just so soft and surrendering. And so it's like, it's changing the visceral attitude of the vow itself. It's like, this is what is not I'm intending. This is my reality. And it's fucking awesome. Oh, I love that so much. So if everyone gave that a go, hit us up, let us know if you gave that a go and how that felt, because we'd love to hear how that went for you because I think that's absolutely beautiful thank you Lucy that's such a great little practice absolutely love that 
and breaking this down to for people listening, thinking about your ultimate sober aspirations, what do you aspire to be in sobriety and how can we bring that in? And I love what you said about giving energy to the parts of it that we love, those good elements. So it could be the connection with people. It could be the playfulness. It could be, gosh, it could even be just relaxation. If people are searching for relaxation when they're, they've been drinking. The after work. Yeah. Right. That one's killer, which you yeah. know as well as a sober coach. That one is such killer. Why? Because we've been doing the labor all day, all day, all day. And we want to flick that switch. So what is it that that one drink there, that first one, gives you? Get to the seed of that. What is it that it gives you? And then find out how you keep that part of it without the alcohol. Because then how amazing is that? Like it might be you come home and if you've got a pool, you jump in the swimming pool in that moment and you wash the day away rather than drink the day away. You might just jump in a hot shower and that washes in. You might do something like brush your teeth. You might just have a bubbly lemon soda water in that place. You might take a moment to just sit out on the grass for five minutes, like find a new switch. So once you can acknowledge, oh, that's what it was doing for me. It was a switch between my working day and my not working time. That's so valuable to me. Mm. Find a new switch and make it something that you love. So you could even use that little vow. It could be your vow could be at the end of each day to let go of the day or leave the day behind. Maybe even before you walk into the house, you could just take in that intentional breath or that vow breath, sorry. Take that moment to make that vow to yourself and then just with some acceptance. That would be beautiful too, using that practice that you said again there. I think that's gorgeous. Yeah. Or even like, I'm going to have a fabulous evening. Yeah. I know that you love to do the today is going to be a great day. Mm. So, you know, when you're just as you're walking into the door of your home, it could be tonight's going to be a fabulous night. And then instantly that's your switch as you cross that threshold from your working day into your home life. Oh, I love this so much. So cool. Love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much. And so one thing we were talking about the other day when you were sitting out there on my deck, we were talking about the idea of all this stuff, like bringing parts of the old and combining it in with the new and bringing in a sense of playfulness. We were then talking about this kind of idea of having like some kind of social get together and with a bit of yoga, a bit of music, a bit of connection. And so you've come up with this amazing idea of, of having a Friday night bender which is coming up in Brunswick Heads on August 11th. That's happening. So instead of getting bent, we're getting bendy. And uh, let's let's be honest about how this came about, which is actually my excellent friend, Danny Carr, who's like, oh, you should do a thing. You should do this thing. Make it a Friday night. Let's do a Friday night. I need people. And your excitement then gets me excited until I do the thing. And uh, so thank you because we're so excited. So my husband and I, Shane and I, we're both senior yoga teachers. We're going to be hosting this Friday night, this bender. So it's a big night out for a better weekend. So for, and this was born because you were talking about that, you know, there's some Friday nights that, you know, you want to still go out, you know, but those options feel, can feel limited sometimes for, if you don't want to be necessarily in a drinking space. Obviously, sometimes when you're sober, being in a drinking space is no problem, but how can I go out and have really healthy connections and do something for myself that actually makes me better for a Saturday morning and for my Sunday? So for the best possible weekend and plus also connecting with other people in community in this really for way like we were talking about before. So that's the idea behind Bender. Thank you, Danny Carr. And uh, it's 
it's, it's, it's yoga, absolutely. So there'll be movement, there'll be conscious breathing, there'll be meditation, there'll absolutely 100% be relaxation, but there'll also be that connection. It's people coming together, being able to say hello to each other, being able to give each other a hug and a high five and listen to some great tunes as we play our curated playlist for you, our opportunity to subject our playlist upon you for that night and have a chai or an alcohol-free beer at the end of it. And then wake up on a Saturday morning and for those who are keen to meet us down the beach in Brunswick Heads at sunrise for a little bit more conscious breath work and for the bold and the brave, a jump in the ocean. Because like we were talking about just before we started this formal conversation, you know, this life is so finite. I think you kind of come to a tipping point at some, somewhere in the middle-ish, not that any of us know how long our life is going to be, but what feels somewhat like the middle-ish if we're lucky to get to that point and where we start to remember that it's all a bit finite. Mm. And then stepping into the sober journey is so much more about living a fuller life where we're not forgetting half of our life. We're not regretting half of our life. We're really deeply in it. So what are all these beautiful, amazing, incredible, vibrant things that we can do to enjoy it in good health for as long as we possibly can? It's so awesome. It's bringing all those elements of the good things, the connection, the movement. So instead of dancing to the VGs half-pissed on my friend Lisa's dining room <laughs> table, <laughs> we're kind of yoga dancing around to this beautiful playlist that you've created and curated, and uh, which I can't wait, actually. I can't wait to hear that. You guys should set your own playlist on Spotify. It'd be so cool. And then, like you say, at the end, we'll have a nice alcohol-free beer, or we'll have a nice chai and a bit more of a chat and a catch-up. And then I love the idea of recovery the next day. So instead of being down at Revolver on Chapel Street, we're... We're reading for a bit of a sunrise dip because we're welcoming in this new day. And I just think it's, I'm so excited about this. And so if you're in our area, which is the Northern Rivers, come on down. There's even, and there's obviously going to be quite a few of the sober crew from around here have already booked their tickets and coming. There's even some of the grads from the Howard Alcohol Group coming down from Brisbane to come down. There's, they're getting a hotel for an, a night in Bruns and they're making a weekend of it as well. So it's awesome. So you fly up travel down, get here. It's going to be so awesome, but there, it is limited tickets. So I would recommend kind of booking them now ASAP. If it's a success, obviously there'll be more of that to come. And look, if, if you're not in our area, if you're on the other side of the world, whatever, organize your own bender on a Friday night where you still connect, you move, you do all those good things, you share food, but it's in sort of safe and healthy parameters where you feel it supports your journey. But I'm just excited also just to be in a class again with you and Shane because you are by far my favourite teachers and it's just going to be awesome. I'm so looking forward to it. I need this connection. I need to get in with a group of people. I'm just so looking forward to it. And do you, tell you. Don't you think it's like you, it, it, to kind of round this out, it's really about how you make yourself whole again. Yeah. Make sure that you take those parts of the Danny Carr that was pre-sobriety that were all of those awesome parts that we can so demonize for so long because of the alcohol component but there's all these beautiful amazing attributes and qualities of you that existed that are the same they're the threads that are there but they might have been shoved down into a little box during sobriety while you're kind of figuring it all out and now this craving to be back with people and connecting in this really beautiful way makes you feel whole and I think that's the next phase of that sobriety arc which is where you really start to remember those beautiful qualities 
and they come full circle back around into your life, but in a whole new high quality way. Absolutely. It's so exciting. I'm so I'm just excited about this whole next step. And yeah, it's just that kind of beautiful rounding off and, and joining together. It's, it's awesome. Amazing. Not to say that I won't go back to Hermitsville again. <laughs> I'm no doubt will. But it, this is great. And I'm just sort of saying yes to things at the moment too. Like everything that shows up, yes, I'll go to that and I'll go to that and I'll go to that. And it's just feeling really good. It's just feeling really positive and expansive. So anyway, if anyone's interested in coming to Bender, I would say the best place to book tickets is via perhaps Lissy's website or Instagram page. Yeah, I think on my Lissy Turner Instagram or the Prana Project Instagram or the Prana Project website on the front page. So there's a couple of little options, but the Lissy Turner Instagram is super easy and the Prana Project as well. So yeah, we are limited capacity in this way, but it, I'd love, we've already been sort of concocting these other ways that we can make it a bit of a traveling roadshow and take Bender into different regional centers around Australia, places that are either by the sea or by a river. So we can do our morning water recoveries on that next morning after the Bender. Oh my God. So awesome. So excited about this, this whole thing. I think it's absolutely fantastic and so needed in our little sober community. We just need more and more connections. So don't miss the opportunity, folks. If you're around, do come and we'd love to see you there. So let us know when you've booked your tickets. And I'll also put links in the show notes, of course, for people to be able to book their tickets to the very first bender. Yay, I'm so excited. And of course, Lissy, you've got so many other like amazing stuff going on as well. And you've got your Dissolving Patterns coming up in September. You've got a retreat going on out at the Prana Project out at your property. There's lots of stuff going on, which is all there on your website. And I mean, anything you do is awesome. So I just recommend people reaching out and, and seeing what Lissy and Shane have got on offer because they are awesome and super cool. And you don't even have to be nervous around them, like even though they're super cool. <laughs> Oh, yeah, which is a really good point, right? It's like, yes, we are doing yoga. There will be movement. But just if, if you've got that resistance to yoga, if you've got that narrative around, I can't do that, you don't need to worry about that at all with Shane and I. It's so about you finding this place in your own body where you feel at ease and steady. And that's different for every single one of us. And yeah, come along. If you give us consent, we can hug you because we're so desperate to be in a classroom full of people. It'd be so good. Oh, absolutely. One thing I remember, I was telling one of the grads the other day because she's like, I can't do yoga. I can't bend or touch my toes. I'm like, it will be fine. It doesn't matter. Also, people aren't worried about what you're doing. Like some people feel like, oh, other people are good at it. No one cares, especially in this community. We're all just happy to see you there. Our but range anyway. is so vast. It's so vast. Yeah. So, and everybody fits. You might have the very well-to-do corporate CEO woman next to the person who's got tattoos on their face and someone just in that very early stages of their yoga practice and somebody who's been practicing for years. And the beautiful thing is that the, the connecting factor is, is that everybody just wants to have good relationships. Everybody wants to connect and everybody wants to feel better, be better, do better. So it's a really beautiful place to, a safe place to build and expand your community. Mm. Particularly if you are in the early stages of sobriety and you're like, where the fuck do I go now for my friends? Yeah. Come and have a with us. Yeah. Come and have a bender with us. The other thing I just want to add, I was saying to this grad on the How I Quit Alcohol grads about a, the first retreat I went on with you guys in Bali and there was someone there who'd had a car accident years before they were, they had a lot of injuries. And I remember being actually really 
grateful that they were there because I'm not particularly super bendy myself. And they spent a lot of the time, their time in child's pose because they just, it wasn't available to them to be able to do many of the poses, but just the fact that they were there. And I loved how you were just so reassuring to them too, just really making it a great space for them just to be able to sit in child's pose if that's all that was available for them. And that was beautiful. I loved it. Then I thought, wow, I don't have to try and do anything that I can't do. I can just go to where my body wants to go and that will be okay. And so it was great. That was a really big pivotal moment for me in starting to love yoga. Suddenly I didn't hate it anymore. I was like, oh, I don't actually have to do something that I'm not. I can just do what's available to me. And it was beautiful. So thank you for that. Yes. So amazing. So come on down, come on down. Lissy Turner, I must go. You must go. I love you dearly. Thank you for being my friend and just so excited. I'm so excited about Bender and I'm just so excited about life, really. All oh, of it. that good. Oh, Danny Carr, you're such a bloody champion. I love you. You're so good at creating community and for getting the rest of us to do the things that you want to do. So thank you so much. <laughs> See ya. See you, darling. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.